So because Steve Harvey had a bad night, you got good at comedy. Yeah, so if Steve Harvey would have killed, I don't know where my life would be. I don't know. <laughs> it's the Deadline Junkie Screenwriting Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Emiola, Kirsten Porter, and Rand Shammy. Our guest today is Malik S., screenwriter on The Neighborhood and hashtag Black AF. He's also an actor and a stand-up. Uh, welcome, Malik. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. We are happy Thanks, to have you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we want to start off by getting to know you a little bit and what brought you to the comedy world and how long have you been interested in that? Uh, I've been doing comedy, what, 20 years now? Um, just kind of happened. Just one of those things. You try it out and see where it goes. You know, I didn't have no idea where it would go, but I knew I wanted to try it and just get it out of the way so I wouldn't be like fit of could water. You know, That's so. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What was it that, that even got you interested in doing comedy in the first place? Like a friend or somebody told you you were funny at work and you were like, yeah. I gotta go be, do, do stand-up. <laughs> no, actually, I never thought I was funny like that. It was just one of those things. Um, I didn't find out I was funny till later on when I got out of school. Everybody was like, oh, you was always funny. I'm like, for real? I was. I, I remember that. <laughs> But, you know, when you end it, I guess you don't know. You're just kicking it with your friends. You're just talking trash and whatnot. Um, I started doing comedy after I saw the Kings of Comedy with uh, it was Steve Harvey, D.L. Hughley, Cedric the Entertainer. Ronnie Mac. Ronnie Mac, yeah, man. So it was crazy because the way it happened was me and my friend, we went down to go see the show. And we didn't even have no tickets. We was just bored. It was like, let's go see. Let's go down there check out the show so we down there got some tickets from a scalpeler and um we went in and we had a good time and then um we watching the show cedric came out did his thing bernie mac came out did his thing this is the time when uh steve was headlining it and it was just one of those nights every comedian has a bad night and steve just wasn't on it that night like that you know i mean he was doing his thing but it just wasn't like you know it was at the same energy as the two guys before him and um my friend was like man you funnier than that dude <laughs> <laughs> he was like man you should try it i was like what he's like man you could be that funny in the arena's packed so i'm just like yo you know and he's like uh i'm gonna i'm going to the army because at this time we're not doing nothing with our lives we just gotta like work in odd jobs he's like i'm gonna join the army I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man, well, we, I'm not doing nothing. I'm going to join the Army and try to play football. Because he used to play football in high school, but then he messed up his grades, so he couldn't play his senior year. So he had this dream that he would go to the Army and play football. And he's like, man, I think I'm going to go play football in the Army. I said, well, if you join the Army, I'm going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and he retires from the Army in two years. So, and I tried it. <laughs> And you kept going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we both kept going. He's going to retire in two years. He, he, he's actually would, would be eligible to retire now, but for two years he did a uh, reserve. So those two years didn't count. So now he'll be retired. He'll do his full 22, 23 years. And I've been doing comedy. So, yeah, kind of like we both, that night, we both changed our lives. <laughs> So, so, so because which, Steve Harvey had a bad night, you got good at comedy. Yeah. So if Steve Harvey would have killed, I don't know where my life would be. I don't know. 
you know, I, yeah. Which do you think is easier, military or stand up? I'm gonna do stand up. I'm not doing. <laughs> Uh, so how that. did how did doing how did how did that world lead to you acting and writing eventually? So crazy enough, as I went to go see Cedric and Dia Hughley and Bernie, you know the Kings, first comedy show I ever seen in my life. I didn't even know you guys would do comedy for a living. I thought just people did it on TV, and that was it. I didn't know they had actual comedy clubs that weekly. So. I start doing comedy locally around town, start making a buzz. And this promoter, there was a there was a homecoming at FIU. And DL Hubley was the headliner. They needed an opener for DL. So I got booked to be the opener. I go do the show and DL saw me and he was like, yo, you funny, man. You wanna go on the road with me? I was like, what? So I start going on the road with DL Hughley. Then I'm in Cleveland with him one day, one weekend, and he's in, Cedric is in town. Cedric comes to see him to say hi and walks in the club as I'm on stage. He sees me. He goes to DL. He's like, yo, who's that dude? I was like, that's my new opera. He's like, man, you might have to some too. <laughs> so that's how I started working with Cedric. And then that led to him getting TV shows. He was just like, yo, man, I think he would be funny in the writer's room. And I was like, what? Man, I don't know nothing about writing. <laughs> He's like, man, don't worry about it. Just go in there, be funny, you'll learn it. And then here we are. Wow, that's awesome. That's yeah. that's quite the, the right place and the right time. Yeah, man, it's just one of those things. That's why I always tell people, if you have a will, don't worry about the how. It'll present itself. Just, just do it. And all the opportunities to present themselves. Yeah. yeah. You already answered so our did, first question too about the neighborhood. We had like, how did you get in the neighborhood? And I kind of already answered that. <laughs> yeah, that's how I got to the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> how did that process go of basically jumping into writing without the knowledge? Like, did you just start reading a bunch of books about it or um, reading a bunch of scripts? Like, what, how did you learn how to do it? Basically, it feels like on the fly. That would be what I would tell my kids. That would be what you should have done. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I didn't do none of that. I just walked in that room, didn't know a damn thing. And I just kind of like found my spots and I just keep my head down. I was quiet and I was watching and I was learning. So I was fortunate enough to learn on the job, you know, like, because you can go to school for writing. You can go to school for anything. But once you get to work, it's all that stuff you learn in school is kind of like, oh, no, this, no, this stuff applies here. So mm -hmm. I was able, because I was funny and I was able to find my spots to be pitch my jokes, you know, and be like, oh, this would be funny if he said that. So little by little, got a little more confident. You start learning how to write jokes for TV instead of stand up because it's two different things. So you learn how to do dialogue jokes instead of monologue jokes. So I just watched and I learned and I'm still learning. I mean, it's always new things to learn, new ways. So I'm still learning. But, yeah, I just, just went in there and kind of leaned to some people that I felt like that would talk to me and take the time out to understand my situation that, yeah, I'm just a comedian. I don't know nothing about this. And I know you got to find like, how the hell he here. But, you know, I showed them that I was a, I was a, I was a bonus. I was a plus. I was beneficial to them. 
Yeah. Was it, and you're on the show too, is Trey, which is awesome. Yeah, that, and that, that's <laughs> it, that's another thing where people think I'm a writer on the show and then I wrote that part for me, which is <laughs> total opposite of that. That Trey part, I actually auditioned for it when the pilot was announced. I auditioned for it, got the part, and once I got the part, I told Cedric, I was like, hey, I booked your pilot. He didn't know nothing about it, you know, because I didn't, I just wanted to just do it. And then he was like, oh, that's cool, man. He was like, well, they still trying to punch it up. Do you want to go out? Can you come by and help out? Because usually when you get a pilot, you know, the person who has a pilot will call a lot of other writers to come help out and punch it up and, you know, get it funnier and tighter. So you have like six, seven writers come help out. And I was one of the writers that was helping out. And the showrunner, Jim Reynolds, uh, you know, after like a you know three four days of helping out, he was just like, "Yo, man, you pretty good. If this show goes, would you like a job?" And I was like, "Yeah, I guess." And so the <laughs> show went. And he was like, "Yeah, man, I definitely want you to come be part of the staff." So a lot of people think I got the writing job first. I actually got the acting part first. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. a very uncommon order for that situation. How do you guys break episodes? Uh, it all depends on the showrunner. Everybody has their different um, style, you know, but it's it's basically at the end of the day, it's just somebody has an idea, somebody, something happened, may have happened to somebody or somebody they know, you know what I mean? It's just stories. It's just like, oh, I went to the store and I see this happen. And, and then you kind of break that and turn it into a full episode to make it fit for TV, of course. And um, you just try to fabricate some of the other stuff to make it, you know, make sense because you got different characters. Because so, most of the time something can happen to one person, but then you got to get everybody else in the mix. So it just could be anything. Like I was doing the Zoom and with, with three people and then one of them you know, this dark, but had a heart attack. And we was like, oh my God, is she going to make it? And you just turn that into the episode. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you just pitch ideas like that. Yeah, you guys deal with some some darker stuff in the neighborhood. And I'm really impressed with how you balance it all, uh, especially in a, a format that's lighter, like a sitcom is a lighter format to me. And so I was wondering yeah. how, how do you do that? How do you approach heavy topics also there's like racism in there and but keeping it light yeah i mean yeah i mean because you gotta things are so it's, it's so weird because things are so different but so the same because you know we so pc now but at the same time everybody's very vocal it's, it's a strange time <laughs> you know everybody has opinion but also everybody's you can't say nothing so it's kind of weird, but, you know, you always try to find the humor, you know, it's CBS at eight o'clock, so you can't really go too deep and hard. So you just kind of touch the surface, you make a joke, and then you kind of move on. It's just kind of like, it's almost like we present an argument or a conversation and we be like, oh, let the people at home figure it out. <laughs> let them <laughs> <fire over. laughs> you I know? like So that. it's kind of like, yeah, you just kind of present the idea or the thought and you'd be like, mm, all right, well, you guys can argue amongst yourself and, you know, because, you know, it's not HBO. So it's only so far you can. Did you ever come up with um, a topic or anything? Like, did you go too far ever where people, they were like, no, <laughs> you got to bring it back? 
No, I mean, you already know. I mean, and it's not like just the writers that get to say so. It's like we write something, then it goes to producers and the network. So a lot of people have to check stuff off. So by the time it gets to TV, it's been checked off by more than just the writers. It's been a group of people saw this and approved it. So, yeah, it's and then, you know, like, again, if you at Showtime or HBO, you know, stars, then, you know, yeah, I could pitch this. But if you know you're at 8 o'clock on CBS, you already know, like, come on. <laughs> you know, you can't, you know, you know what you can do. At least you should know. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite episode so far? Man, we're on season five, dude, and we about to hit 100. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember those things like that, you know. Like, if people start talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, but to just be like, a favorite, like, mm, I can't think of one. You know what I mean? I can't think of one episode that's just like my favorite date. They all cool. They all fun. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I enjoy all of them, but I don't know one. I mean, I guess ones I remember the most are clearly the ones I'm in because I, I was in it. So I kind of remember more, but yeah. Yeah. I don't have a standout favorite. Do you have a least favorite? No, I don't have a least favorite. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't have a least favorite. No, <laughs> they're all awesome. <laughs> Did you ever mess up on in writing or acting that you're like, ugh, next time, <laughs> next time I won't do that? What, like in acting, mess up a take? Acting or in in writing? Was there a mistake you made? Um, Again, there's so many people involved. Like, even if you made a mistake, it'll be caught. So it's not just you. So, you know what I mean? So even if you made a, like, we don't, and even if it's a grammar mistake, we have people that proof. So I can write my script, but somebody's going to proof it and clean it up and make it look like I know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> so somebody's going to help me with my grammar and punctuation. So you know, you're welcome, Malik. I've done that job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, like I don't know what commas go all the time, but somebody does. <laughs> That's somebody's job to know what commas and 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 semicolons go. I don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Do you always film in front of a live audience? We used to seasons two, one and two, but three and four we couldn't because of COVID. Hmm. Yeah, so we was just kind of like, there was no lie. We might go back to live audience this season, season five. So it looks like we'll go back to live audience. Well, that'll be exciting and, and like give give you guys a new burst of energy after two years of no audience. Right, it'll be brand new again. It'll be like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Are the tapings faster then? There's no audience? Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the good part about no audience because you can start because when you don't have no artists, we start in the morning and we just work throughout the day and tape. But when you have a live artist, we don't start till five. Mm. Yeah. So it makes it longer. So but it, it makes it longer. But again, you get that energy from the audience and it's fun. But yeah, it is a longer night. I was just curious too. how since there's no live audience anymore, how do they do they tape? Do they show the tape of the of? The neighborhood to like an audience in a movie theater and get the laughs there how do they get the laughs for the oh just just the crew just the people on set really if, 
been on a multicam set. It's, if you ever been on set, it's a bunch of people on set. You know, so just to set the people on set are just laughing. Wow. So they record their laughs and then put them in the show. Yeah. Yeah, they recorded laughs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got you got cameramen, you got you got a bunch of light people, you got catering. It's a bunch of people on the on the stage. Mm-hmm. It's enough to get to record a laugh. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I wonder if they felt put on the spot then <laughs> or if they were like, yay, I'm a part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you got a distinctive laugh, I'm sure you could hear your laugh, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You have a favorite character to write for? I mean, the easiest character to write for would be Tashina and Cedric because they're just so damn funny. You don't have to do much. They're going to make it fun. You know, those two are, they just... You know, whatever you give them, they'll turn it, they'll make it funny. So they make the writers look really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> Do they ever improv at all? Yeah, I mean, a little bit, but not really because, you know, you have to kind of stick with the storyline because if you improv too much, the, next, the, the line that somebody else is about to say may not make sense. Yeah. So you can't really just go too crazy. I mean, you could not say it verbatim, but you can't just, just write a whole new thing. <laughs> so when you say they make it funny, you're talking about delivery versus actual words. Yeah, delivery than actual words, but even sometimes words, because you can put one word and they just change it to another word. And it's still the same joke. They just saying it how they would say it, you know, sometimes. So still the same joke, but it's like kind of like, oh, well, I, it felt better coming to me this way, you know, so... Mm-hmm. They would, and then it's all attitude too. So it could be some jokes are attitude jokes. Some jokes aren't funny on paper, but depending who's reading it, it will be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one thing you gotta learn: how, like which character can do what joke, and you gotta write jokes that is true to that character. You know, so you can't just write a crazy joke that like that person won't even say that or talk like that or think like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you think you're an actor who makes it easy for the writers? Because whatever you're given, you make funny. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I've been challenged that much yet. I haven't had that much writing. I mean, acting experience. I kind of usually just say what the hell's on the paper. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> push my limit yet like that. But I mean, one day I'll be number one on the call sheet, and I can do what the hell I want to do. But for now, I read with the. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of, we hear uh, you do have a, a project that is coming around that's in development, uh, the Monroe's and Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that, you know. Where are you, so, Where is it at right now? CBS Studios. Nice. And you're, have you started filming stuff or? No, still in, in development and trying to figure out what they want to do with it. It's a long process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how did it start? Just an idea I had, and you pitch it. I had the idea, and I pitched it to the uh, the neighborhood producers. They liked it, and then we went to CBS Studios and pitched it to them, and they liked it. You know, so it's just in development. It takes a while. It's, <laughs> Yeah, we hope to see it. Do you, do you think you'll act in it if it comes out? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Good. Yeah. We would love to see more of your acting. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. 
So rewind a little bit back to um, other shows you've written for. There's hashtag Black AF, um, which I, I really I really enjoy the single cam um, side of it versus the multi cam. What what do you enjoy about single cam versus do you do you have a preference single cam or multi cam? Uh- as a performer, I prefer multi-cam because you have an audience. <laughs> but um, no, I don't really have a preference per se as writing. Um, you know, single cam, you know, for the production side, it takes a little longer. It's a little more work because it's like shooting a mini movie every week. <laughs> Whereas multi-cam, you just go on a sound stage and you just shoot it in a two days or a day. But single cam, you got to go drive to this location, drive to that location. So it's a, it's a little more, it's a little more work on the production side of things. But the writing is pretty much, you know, you're still writing, still telling stories, still telling jokes. But production wise, it's way more work. <laughs> when you when you write a multi cam, do you kind of always know like, okay, I got to stay in this house and that house. Like and like, if I have a new location, I got I got to think about that production. Do you always think about locations when you're writing multicam? Yeah, you always got to think about locations and how big is your stage? Do we want to build the set? Because you don't want to build a set for one scene. So every time you're writing it, you want to write in sets that you already have. Well, you, we build sets all the time, but you got to make the most of it. You don't want to build a set just for a two minute, a one minute scene. So it's kind of like, ah, well, let's just move back here let's try to figure out or let's not do it like this because it doesn't make sense to build a set for for a minute yeah as a writer do you think about the production side of it or no you think about the production a little bit but sometimes we just write and we're like well that's their job they got to figure that out but you do (laughs) think about like we're not gonna say you blow up a car and stuff like that you know what i mean like yeah. So you do think about something, but you do think about what can we actually really do? You know what I mean? Like, you, so some of the stuff you can't do. So it's like, yeah, we, it's not that show, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what single cam, you can go broad and be like, and he jumps in the aquarium pool because you can go to an aquarium and do that, you know? <laughs> Where, you know, you probably could build a little small thing on a soundstage and act like it's a big pool, but that's a lot. You know, so sometimes you be like, and eh, let's not even go through all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're mindful of your sets and what you can and can't do. So a question our friend Samara had, who's part of the Desert Nuggets community, um, is how involved are the actors uh, in the process? I mean, the most involved is clearly Cedric because he's the executive producer. Yeah. Uh, Max gets involved a little bit. But if any actor has any issues with a line, yeah, everybody's free to come to the showrunners and be like, hey, you know, I'm not really feeling this. And or they'll go to Cedric first and Cedric will relay it. And then it's just easy to change it. But, you know, if any, you know, it's try to be mindful and respectful to all the actors. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm just going to say it black as fuck. Uh, <laughs> in black as fuck you have a lot of cut twos to make jokes and to expand on a point. And I love cut twos. I think they're amazing. And so I was wondering how do you write them well? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, 
it's it's actually you know it's one of those tools people like them some people some people like it. i think general public likes it i think sometimes writers don't like it but do you yeah. like it yeah i don't mind it i don't i don't want to do a bunch of them but yeah it's if you do them right they're funny you know uh it's just about it's just got to be sharp you know it's just got to be sharp and they and if that you can't you would hope the audience don't see it coming but you know there's nothing doing in the sun, so it's kind of hard. If somebody watching up TV, they can see anything coming. And so Black as Fuck is based on, loosely based on Kenya Barris's life. Mm-hmm. How loosely? Not that loosely. <laughs> it's pretty much dead on, his life. Yeah, pretty much dead on. He has all those kids for real. Uh-huh. have a kid in in uh theater school or something like that and pretty much does her daughter his daughter was dating somebody at usc or ucla so it's pretty much you know yeah just i think the wife job is different in real life but mm-hmm. pretty much everything is yeah it's pretty accurate about his life so would he just come in and be like here's my life story we're gonna write about it I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's between him and Netflix. When I got the job, it was already, this is what we're doing. You and know, like every not- episode, would it be, this is what happened to me or just kind of more, um, yeah, it was, more input? It was a, yeah, it was a journey. No, yeah, everybody has input, but it was a journey. Like, again, like he'll say, this is the story and you make it, this is what happened and you turn it into a story. So everybody has input, but it's kind of like, this is what we're trying to get to. So let's fill in the space to get to that. But this mm-hmm. is what we're gonna, this is this is what this episode is about. Now let's make it fill it up, make it make sense, make it interesting to get to the next episode. But if you watch all the episodes, it's one long journey of his daughter making this documentary and all the things that happen in between that making of the documentary. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really love how you guys do confessionals. Uh, it's versus like a confessional is just one person it's kind of this group confessional I think that's really really cool is that something that he came up with and yeah I don't know that's probably yeah that, uh, uh, yeah I, you know like I, I would love to take the credit for it but I don't know <laughs> King is the you know he's the man he's the one that created a bunch of shows so he's very smart he knows what he's doing and um yeah like that guy's if you ever get a chance to work with him, I learned a lot working with him. So um, what, what's something you learned from him? Just story develop breaking, just story development, how he breaks his story, the process he does, how he he's very detailed of you know, he really goes deep into the character's head and what they're thinking and why they're thinking it. So he really goes deep into it and it works. The shows be good. The shows be interesting. You know? Yeah, that's for sure. I I enjoyed it, and I really love uh, Blackish. I haven't yeah. watched his other ones, but Blackish is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this one, Black as Fuck, it it is a mockumentary style, and it reminds me a lot of Parks and Rec and Curb Your Enthusiasm and Arrested Development. Was were any of those inspirations that were like, hey, writers know that this is an inspiration, go watch it, 
be inspired? <laughs> no, no. I mean, not that I know of. He never told me that, but I'm sure we all been inspired by somebody, you know, so we all take a little bit from everybody. All greats take from other people and put their spin on it and make it their own. So I'm pretty sure he was inspired by somebody, but no, not that it was never mentioned in the room to watch this and do this. This was like, this is the tone of this show. This is what we're doing. I enjoyed the way it came out. (laughs) Do you have any general advice that you would give to any up and comers in the industry or anyone who's trying to pursue a career really as a successful career person? Well, as far as writing goes, yeah. Writing, acting, pursuing, just any general advice you yeah. might have. Yeah, like I said from the beginning, man, if you have the will, just go for it. The how will present itself. That's just always how I kind of live. I just kind of, I'm going to do this. And, and if if I'm dedicated to it, if I'm good at it, somehow it'll work out. You know, I don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to meet Spielberg, Spielberg, but I feel like somehow... <laughs> Maybe he's going to real in me one day. And then as we exchange insurance cards, like, yeah, I'm going to have to You know, but I feel like if you work hard, if you dedicate yourself, you're going to get a shot. You're going to get a shot. Now, whatever, what, what that shot turns into, I don't know, but you will get a shot. We're all going to get up at bat. Um, I would just tell anybody that's trying to do anything, give it your all focus on it you know don't half-ass it and put it out into the universe you know that whether that be writing acting whatever especially or military <laughs> yeah join the military you know and be successful at that like my friend is very successful in the military you know so i, I just feel like especially for entertainment nowadays you don't even really need hollywood anymore man everybody's just doing their own thing so you don't have to wait Hollywood to come save you and, and, and give you these opportunities. You can create your own opportunities. For sure. Like what you guys are doing right now, we have this podcast. Like you don't need yeah. to be on a radio station. You know, no, like no. you can just do your own thing. If you really believe in it, you can just go do your own thing. And guess what? And when it when it pops, Hollywood will find you. <laughs> they oh, will yeah. come. <laughs> they like will be like, oh, we need a piece of this. <laughs> That's like the Steve Martin saying that's like be good enough they can't ignore you. Yeah, they will because they feel like we can't let them keep all this money to themselves. Let's, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Totally. I mean, they gave Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Forget Steve Martin saying now it's um it's the money one. <laughs> right. Uh, and a question we like to end on with all our guests is, what is your favorite TV show of all time or something you're watching now? Well, my favorite TV show now, of course, is The Neighborhood, because that's of what course. pays. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite TV show of all time would be Martin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, that's what I grew up on when I was, high school just watching and thinking like oh my god this dude is amazing man you know like and that's when I didn't even know I wanted to be a comedian but I knew I loved Martin I knew I would watch Martin and on that because this came on on Thursday and on Friday when I would go to school I would do everything he did on that show (laughs) (laughs) so 
Yeah. Do you feel like watching him and watching that show helped you become the comedian you are today and the writer? I'm sure it did subconsciously. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it influenced me in many ways. Like Martin definitely influenced me. Jamie Foxx influenced me. Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, of course. Those two, Cedric and D.L. are closest to me that really influenced me. And just in, you know, just not outside of business, just being manhood, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I was blessed to have a pretty good, you know, I guess, upbringing in in the business you would say so yeah i mean those martin is iconic in neighborhood for what we're doing nowadays it's pretty pretty big considering nobody's watching network tv it's almost like we're doing what martin numbers what neighborhood doing now is what martin was doing back then it's it's, it's like it's like what you know back in the day a million dollars was like Twenty million now. You would need twenty million dollars if you had a million dollars in the eighties. It's like that. <laughs> well, Malik, thank you so much for joining us today. We really thank appreciate you. all your time and all your your thoughtful answers and your stories. And I'm sure everyone listening is gonna have a blast. Uh, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Thank you. Subscribe, rate, and review for more episodes. Thanks for listening to the Deadline Junkies Screenwriting Podcast. Malik S. That's okay. just the whole name, but if you talk it to me, you don't have to say Malik S. <laughs> you want me to be super proper the whole time? <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs>